0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Prep Life podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Grow Bikini, Amy Inger, today with my fabulous co host.
1: Hey, guys, this is Chris Nicole, Glam Grow Bikini Coach <laughs> and IFBB Bikini Pro. What happened? Uh, a bat just fell. Those <laughs> of you that are watching,
0: no, um, yeah, I'm in a different space for podcasting and a bat just fell on the floor.
1: That's He's my son. Our- what was that? <laughs> I thought it was a bat for you. You're practicing your song. <laughs> no, swing.
0: No. No, my son like randomly puts bats around the house and swings them. It's super safe. But oh, <laughs> anyways, that just startled me for a second there. Um <laughs> so, tell us about how your last 7 days have gone and what you have coming up. You've got big things coming up next week.
1: Yes. Um I feel like each year we just are traveling to more destinations, more weekends. We're getting to a point where um I feel like we need to like block off some weekends because we get a, a lot of opportunities uh TC and I to run meets and events and both athletes, we both want to compete and we have athletes competing so we want to go see them compete, but um I we are preparing to go down to Florida um cuz I will be competing soon, so I will be It's been so long since I've prepped all of my like prep things, my suit and tanning stuff, and so I'm gonna have to go through a checklist and um, do all of the the. The nice thing is we're driving, so that's good. That makes it less stressful. Yeah, exactly. So I don't have to think about the airplane criteria, but we'll probably start heading down there. Um, So that's the next thing we have coming up, and we just came from. Oh my gosh, we just came from the Arnold. Yeah. And we try we like hopped and skipped back. We got to keep stopping. It took us a little bit longer coming back. Cause I wanted to make sure I got all my cardio and training in. And then we, we needed internet to work, uh, for clients. So it's the same yeah. story with me, just, just, <laughs> just different places. Uh- have fun packing one week and just like packing in, in the next week. So uh yeah, how about you? What's been going on with you? Fun adventure though. Um, that's good stuff. So,
0: real quick though, before we move on to that, um, where well, is the show? Where is the clash? Orlando. We- it's in Orlando. Okay. That's always yeah, a fun city.
1: Yeah. yeah, I have a couple of friends in Florida too. So it'll be nice to see a couple of people and um, I have some family flying in, so that'll be nice too. So I have like a little crew of people that are very excited to support me and I have actually been very overwhelmed with like how nice and encouraging and supportive people have been on social media and sending me messages and um it just made me feel very special and very thankful for like the support. It's this community is very like close so, you know, I see a, one one other bodybuilder in the area I live that is the same gym, and I see her, and we make eye contact in the gym, and we like we know where the other person's at, and <laughs> uh, it's just like an unsaid understanding that's I think super nice with certain people. So uh, Jamila is my friend at the gym; so she's super sweet. So she's a huge podcast listener as well, too. So oh, yeah. She's a, Life. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Who of your family's going? Um, my uh, sister in law, well I-, I call her my sister in law, my brother's oh. my boyfriend's brother's wife. yeah Uh I call her your sister in law too. <laughs> yeah. We call we just like uh my real lawyer. So, Yeah, yeah. Former client six million things. <laughs> yeah. So she'll be there. And um, like I said, I have a couple of friends that live in Florida, so they might be popping by for the show. And uh, yeah, it'll be be fun. It'll be a good time. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah.
0: Not much is going, not as many exciting things are going on at the Inger household, but my son did just make the high school baseball team. So I was pretty proud of him for that. Um, (laughs) Hence the bats flying all over my house. (laughs) <laughs> um, okay. So today's topic is going to be regarding hypothyroidism. We got a question a long time ago, so sorry, listener, that it's taken me this long <laughs> to bring it up, but, um, they just wanted to know like how hypothyroidism affects a prep and everything that goes into that. Um, but staying on the lines of the Arnold, Arnold, just real quick, I just wanted to recap our audience on some of the results there. Um, for those international bikini athletes that stepped on stage. Um, so those of you that don't know with the the Arnold, the it's very limited amount of people that get invited. So 1600 athletes applied for the Arnold this year and only 10 bikini athletes get invites. And, um, I think it's pretty much the same across the other divisions. Um, so a lot of people got turned down, um, and, what goes into that behind the scenes is they offer the athlete a round trip free ticket. They offer them three nights in a hotel, and then they offer them a ticket to for another person. So it's pretty prestigious and it's um it's difficult to get into because that's quite the bill that <laughs> Mr. Arnold <Yes>. Schwarzenegger <laughs> has to pay. So, um, this year's winner was, uh, Laura Lee Tripatos. She won $10,000 and it was just really good to see her, um, you know, regain her title or I guess defend her title and win it again. But, um, a crazy thing about that is just, I heard that she gained nine pounds from the Olympia too, which I can see it. She looked way fuller. I thought, um, what was your opinion? Yes.
1: Yeah. She definitely looked much fuller. I felt a like, uh, little too like dry and grainy at the Olympia compared to the people like Maureen was super full at the Olympia. So I think she took a lot of that feedback and came into the Arnold, like she was prepared. Um, and I just appreciated her speech during finals. She talked about like, this is not a linear progression even at the top of the like food chain basically so she said you know like falling to fifth was kind of like a a turning point for her but and no matter what like people said she's she like resolved that she wouldn't quit and here she is back at the top again so like yeah I thought that was very nice great for her to express to other bikini competitors. Cause I think we think the pros are just always advancing up like you and your pro card and you just climb, climb, climb. And when you're at the top, you don't fall too far. And historically we do see some like high level bikini athletes kind of drop down in placement, but that doesn't mean that you're falling out of your your peak or your optimal career it's just a matter of making those adjustments and coming back stronger so she had some good things to say I that I that I appreciated I also found it very interesting she made reference to uh like marriage more than once with Attila and Tyler she made a comment during her speech <laughs> and she said something to Aldo and I was like like, hmm, I'm just hearing lots of wedding bells going on with this. <laughs> I think she took that platform, and told those boys what was up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was for it was it was interesting. But I do think that she had a wildly competitive. Like, I would say they awarded her correctly for first place. Her physique was phenomenal.
0: Yeah, it was funny because all nine of the bikini competitors they all had like basically the same color family of suits except for Ashley Kay yeah. was like the only one in green. Um, I th- found it interesting that Maureen shied away from the pink. Cause I actually really, yeah. I actually really liked that on her. So I was Me surprised too. that she went to like a bluish, purplish. Um, Everybody kind of had like a blue purple family type of color, yeah. but um, she ended up getting second and she got $6,000. Uh, Jen Dory had... Um, gotten third place and she w- was awarded $4,000. Ashley Kay got fourth, $3,000. Romina uh, Baswalda got $1,500 for fifth place. And then so did um, Evie Eskandar. I'm pronouncing that right. She got uh, sixth place and 1500. So um, I just find that like along the same thread that you were saying, like how Laura Lee moved so far up in placement because she wasn't as grainy. She looked more healthy, like, uh, kind of like full muscle bellies and not so hard. And, um, I mean, nothing, I'm not trying to like throw Alessia under the bus, but I, I couldn't believe how hard her calves looked. I know that's a weird body part to look at, but it was like, my eye was going towards her calves. Cause they were like rocks and you could see yeah. like veins in them. It just was a little bit more dieted down than I'd ever seen her before. Um, and then yes. of course the one that I can't really pronounce. Um, so Ellie got <laughs> seventh and then, um, you, how do you say her name? She was the Arnold winner last year. So she got an automatic kaki. invitation. So that was her pro debut. You kaki? I don't know. <laughs> Yukachi, Yeah. Yeah. So she, that was her pro debut and she got eighth, but just wanted to give you guys all that little update. And then Phoebe was the 10th person that was invited, but, uh, she got basically the Olympia plague. Like everyone got like where they got super sick and like holidays. And this year was probably the shortest amount of time that they've ever had in between the Olympia and the Arnold. Um, you know, they only told you, I think eight weeks before, um, so you had to put in your application. It was due right before the Olympia. So you're kind of locked in there with that because then if you do get invited, it's kind of like a big thing if you don't accept, um, because there are so many people, but then it's like your body's recovering after like the hardest push of the biggest event in the world. And, you know, you have 10 weeks in between there Christmas is in there. Like if you were sick, just trying to get your body to stage ready. So um, she did pull out um, just because just with all that kind of recovery situation, I think she pulled out at four weeks out. Um, But I totally get it. I mean, you have to put your health as yeah. a priority first. And if you're not mentally or physically ready for prep, like it's not a good idea to, to do it. But I do feel bad for um, anyone that has to kind of make that decision because it's almost like you're cornered into like really extending your diet for another two and a half months. But I don't know what your thoughts are there.
1: Yeah, I think that it depends a lot on like what the prep look like what the year before looked like as well, leading into the Olympia. Like some athletes had to compete constantly to either get points or to chase that first place because you get a little bit closer each show. And, um, so if you're competing all year Mm -hmm. finalizing, like you said, Amy at the Olympia, and then you're invited to the Arnold, you're not done. Like you are still like, you have to stay dialed in. So that's a hard call. I know some athletes did not apply because it was so close. Um, but it it was, yeah, it's kind of like tricky with the Olympia move to, to December and trying to get that timing right. For the Arnold, it's like almost like no time off. So it'll be interesting yeah. this year with a, kind of, with a couple of fluctuations. But I did notice like Jen Dory didn't compete a lot last year, and she looked pretty mm-hmm. fresh at the Olympia, fresh at the Arnold. Same yeah. thing, Maureen, took a big break. Laura Lee took a pretty good break as well. Like I think Pittsburgh was her last show, and then she came back to the Olympia. So there's something to be said about strategy and understanding shows promoters having a coach that guides you correctly um because there's a lot of opportunity it's but it's definitely about maximizing it for your unique goal and like where you're trying to head whether an amateur or a pro yeah and I
0: mean I know Ashley Kay mentioned like that it was probably one of her hardest preps she's ever done because she also got the post Olympia sickness that everyone got that went there um so yeah it just makes it it makes it hard so, um, kind of switching gears. Unless you had anything else to add yeah. about the Arnold, do you want to talk about some hypothyroidism? <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> talk
1: hypothyroidism. So exciting.
0: Okay, yeah. So, I just wanted to start with um, kind of like my journey if, and just kind of share with yeah. you guys like my background and how long I've had it. And so, there's lots of different ways that you can get hypothyroidism, but mine actually occurred post-pregnancy, which is um, actually a common thing and I've heard like there's there's research that when you're pregnant you get iodine deficient. Um, I don't know if that's what caused it, but I basically um noticed that after I had both my kids I you know um, I had subclinical hypothyroidism is what I was diagnosed by my OBGYN. so that just means, um, and we'll get into this part of it but basically that means that um most, doctors tests wouldn't have tested me with or diagnosed me with hypothyroidism. I was really lucky that my doctor took into account that um I was gaining weight, I was feeling tired and that I'm a super fit individual and um I would work out all the time and I would eat you know, very I mean I was like in basically contest prep and I was gaining weight. Um, And so I think for most practitioners, when they see like when they just test your TSH, which is your thyroid stimulating hormone, and mine was totally healthy, um, they're just like, oh, well, you know, she's not really overweight. But for me, it was overweight. You know what I'm saying? So I knew something wasn't right in my body because um, I was working 10 times harder to like exercise, eat the right food where I could get away with eating that much food and exercising and lose weight pretty quickly. So I was lucky that she actually tested me for subclinical. So she tested my T4 and my T3 and realized that they were extremely low and required medication. So from there, um, you know, I got referred to an endocrinologist and I've been working with my endocrinologist, um, you know, in tandem with my OBGYN because Some of the things that I have going on, um, you know, he specializes in female hormones particularly. So he was one that my OBGYN really, um, thought that I needed to go to, um, we'll get into some of the symptoms that is as to why I made sure that my thyroid doctor, my endocrinologist specialized in the female hormones, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, anything off the bat that like questions that pop up for you, Chris?
1: Did you uh, um, notice a difference after your first pregnancy or second pregnancy? Like, when did you notice the, uh, or when were you kind of like tested for the change?
0: Yeah. So I got pregnant back to back. (laughs) (laughs) I was pregnant for like two years. (laughs) No. Um, Yeah. I found out when my son was nine months old that I was pregnant again. And um, yeah, it was, they were very close. They call them Irish twins. So there wasn't really like. I mean, my doctor did say it's like you're lucky that you like take your health into consideration in terms of like making sure you're exercising and because having back-to-back pregnancies like that can be really tough on the body. Um sure. because you know, you're finally like kind of recovering and then basically you just I was pregnant again. So um yeah, I didn't really have any time to like figure out if <laughs> I had it then or not, but uh. That yeah. Makes sense.
1: yeah. So your 2 pregnancy. Got it.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty okay. sure it was after my daughter though, because I got down to like a pretty normal weight when I found out I was pregnant again. <laughs> so wow.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. It's like kind of when you had the realization that makes sense with your pregnancy timeline.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So okay, let's get into some of the symptoms that you'll experience if you have hypothyroidism. So I had mentioned that I am I was tired, um, was one of the things that I experienced. But also people with hypothyroidism have a big sensitivity to cold. So I have to know that when I get sick, my temperature is um marginally lower than the average person. So mine is not 98.6 or whatever. It's usually it runs around 97.7 is my basal or like my baseline temperature. So when I get a fever, it doesn't have to be that high because relatively speaking, it's high for me. Um, So our body temperatures are lower with hypothyroidism. Um, Another big thing that I think recently that I've always had to like monitor and keep in mind is, um, and it just reminds me of last week when I was training at Orange Theory with my workout partner. So I'm really competitive when it comes to like, doing anything like physical, you know, and orange theory, you have your your heart rate on the wall, right? So there's like 30 people yeah. in this class. And like, I have the lowest heart rate out of everyone out of all 30. And you get points for if you get your heart rate high enough, and you stay in that zone. So Marlin was like kicking my butt. She had like 16 <laughs> splats. And I had like two. Um, And she was <laughs> like, you just need to push harder. And I'm like, well, oh, my gosh, it's actually, that my heart rate is like lower because I have hypothyroidism. So another thing is that my resting heart rate, my heart range, you need to factor that as somebody with hypothyroidism, it's a lot harder for me to get my heart rate up high. um so my like target range, I need to like notch that down. So that's why I probably will never do orange theory long term because I'll always lose <laughs> at it. um but anyways, um, so that's, um, one of the things that, um, one of the side effects too is a slower heart rate. So, um, do you want to go into some other symptoms that may be included if you have hypothyroidism? I know I mentioned the weight gain. Um,
1: yeah, uh, there could be dry skin, uh, looks like a symptom. You could notice like you're, you're not as hydrated, Uh puffy face. That's interesting. I guess maybe that I get that a, lot. a little heart rate thing, like, um, fluid retention.
0: Yeah. It's, we're very fluid retention people.
1: Oh, okay. This is good. Good to know. Um, and then like coarse hair and skin, um, which kind of goes along with that, uh, or thinning hair as well is another one that you could probably notice or I put so
0: yeah, when my thyroid's off, I lose a lot of hair. It's like hair down the drain. I have a lot of hair. Um, she does. But yeah, it like chunks come out and then, um, constipation is definitely one. Um, and then the horse voice. So when you think about your thyroid and I know I'm on like YouTube, like showing, um, so on your neck, there's like a butterfly and that's your thyroid gland. And so a lot of times I'll get like a scratchier voice, um, where I sound like a little bit throaty and it's just because your thyroid kind of like sits there. Um, So you'll notice like people have a little bit of like raspy voice. My mom and my sister both have it too. And they get that like old lady sounding
1: voice sometimes.
0: Um, So, but yeah, the muscle thing, um, aches, tenderness, stiffness, weakness. uh, It's hard because you're, your T four and your T three are very integral in building muscle and then also maintaining your metabolism. So one of the symptoms that was also something that my OEGN was looking at is just like menstrual cycles being irregular for me, um, heavier than usual is another side effect that you can have. And then along with that can go like depression and then like brain fog or memory problems. So um
1: yeah. What um, did they, uh, diagnose you based off of symptoms or based off of lab work?
0: Yeah. So she diagnosed, the only way you can really diagnose is a doctor to test your blood work and to look at your levels. But the reason why she drew the more in-depth levels is because when they just drew my TSH, it was fine. It was healthy. So she dug a little deeper. Cause I was like, no trust me like i'm working out i'm eating like perfect and i'm gaining weight um and i'm tired all the time and so then she tested my t3 and my t4 so let's get into those just a little bit um i always think of joanna from hormone logics when i think about she always tells the same story about the so if you think about your thyroid as a car um the tsh is like your jumper cables so it basically shocks your thyroid to say, Hey, like let's produce something here. Let's try to produce some T4. And then the T4, uh, I think she talks about that being like your, your car engine. Um, and so when you produce the T4, then your T3 is like the gas, right? So your T3, your T4 converts into your T3 and the T3 is the usable form of thyroid. So, a lot of people in our industry unfortunately misuse T3 and in the wrong ways, whereas like somebody with hypothyroidism, which is a deficiency, their body can't produce as much T4, as much T3. And that affects their metabolism and their ability to build muscles. So it's important that like once you know you get diagnosed by a doctor, that they're monitoring your blood levels every six months, which I get mine done every six months by my endocrinologist. And then he takes a look at my levels of T3 and T4 and then gives me medication. So I started with armor thyroid, which is basically, uh, sheeps, or usually it's some sort of like pig, a different animals yeah. thyroid so that my body still will make my own, um, because it doesn't, it's not a recognizable form of thyroid as like a supplement. So I like that form because it's not synthetic. And then your body doesn't really like shut down its own. It still keeps trying to produce like its own thyroid with that. But then you also get supplemented on this animal form. So after years and years of being on armor, um, I finally had to go to a synthetic form of T4 with, um, with one of my medications, but I mean, that's just kind of like with age, I think eventually there's a point where the thyroid just like maxes out. And, um, so, but yeah, I always get it monitored and there's sometimes where I have it increased and sometimes decreased, but yeah, it's important to be under the care of a doctor for sure on those things. So, um, any thoughts on T4 or T3 or TSH that I didn't mention, Chris?
1: Uh, so for people who are in prep and they're getting blood work done, whether they're deep into a dieting season or they're freshly out of a competition, it's normal to see that your thyroid has kind of down correct? So yes. that's why it's important to make sure that you have a physician assessing you. And it's great if you have someone who understands the sport as well, to know that like, these are. Sometimes there will be temporary adjustments to what range your thyroid is reading at of like, what's happening with your, your prep and your body. Um, but it's not necessarily like a huge indicator that now you have a diagnosis of something, just a matter of like taking it into consideration within the season that you're in as an athlete. Um, Yeah. That's
0: a really good point because I would say 90% of competitors are going to have a little bit of a suppressed T4, T3, production and um TSH, you know, there's a range and you can kind of see like, like I said, it's a jumper cable. So if it's really high, um, if it's flagged high or if it's on the high end of the range, which most blood work will show you what the range is and it'll flag either high or low. Um, you know, you could be having hyper or hypo, um, depending on which part of the range it's landing on. And then um again, like there's always a range on things. So sometimes people will not be functionally functioning optimally on the like lower ends and they still could feel these symptoms, but maybe like, you know, with the medical model, sometimes like practitioners, you know, they're like, oh, that's normal. But you're like at the, let's say for a TSH, you know, you're at like the low, low level, Um, then it's probably, you know, not a good thing, um, or having it too high as well. Um, and then I think we would be remiss if now I don't have Hashimoto's, but I think we probably need to address this because I know there's a lot of competitors that have Hashimoto's and have to deal with that in contest prep. And that one has a separate test. So that one is on autoimmune disease, basically where your body attacks the thyroid and there's a thing called TPO antibodies and, um, a blood, you know, test will basically be able to tell you if you have that based on the presence of the TPO antibodies, I believe, um, to be Hashimoto's or thyroiditis, you have to have levels above 200. Um, and then a normal one is like below 52. So, I've had a lot of clients with that and you can see both sides of it. Like sometimes they're hyperthyroid and so they're really skinny. Um, I've seen a lot of people like that. And then um, normally in our space, like that's the body type usually that we'll see versus like the hypothyroid Hashimoto's, which is like the bigger person that has a really hard time losing weight. And that one's a little bit harder to manage because you have to worry about, like inflammation and things like gluten, basically, you know, your body's going to start attacking gluten. Like it's a foreign object. Um, if you do have that autoimmune disease, so you have to be a little bit more careful about your diet. If you have Hashi's, um, like inflammatory foods, anything that gives you inflammation, even like just start working out and like dieting hard, those are all things that can cause inflammation in the body. And, um, even things like dairy, sugar, So they have to be a little bit more particular about like what they actually eliminate as far as their diet, when it comes to contest prep. Um, I fortunately don't have that. My TPO antibodies always come out back normal, but, um, but yeah, so that's that on the Hashimoto's. Did you have anything to add on that?
1: Um, I, I would say that I had one client, um, who her TSH came, came back pretty high. And we, she was working with like a medical professional. I was not handling any of her, like reading her labs and stuff like that, but she, the physician had informed her that she did have um, an issue with her thyroid in the aspect of like, she needed to then adjust her diet to help her body with inflammation. So like kind of what you were going along with saying of like the gluten, um, she had to make some like hard changes dietarily just to make sure that inflammation was controlled. And we had had her in a prep. She really struggled to drop body fat. Um, I mean, she came a long way, but sometimes, you know, that it could be like a little bit easier. Like there is something that's kind of like slowing down the process and, um, it was, it's, it's like bittersweet when you get lab work. Cause if they, if you get some diagnosis or you get some answer, it's like, oh, okay. So it's not just me. Like there is actually a reason and we can formulate a plan to kind of help address this and make it better next time. But it's also sometimes hard, I think for people as well, because now they have to make some lifestyle or, uh, like dietary changes. And so it, it's just like prep, you make that commitment to like, make those changes to achieve a certain goal, whether it's like bettering your overall health or stepping on stage. Um, so yeah, I think that the moral of the story is basically making sure that you have like a good medical professional that can give you recommendations on lifestyle changes as well. Maybe that could help, Um, if you're getting some diagnosis or something that you're unsure of and I think it's always okay to get a second opinion as well if you're like just kind of on the fence and you're not quite sure Um, I've been to physicians where uh, they are very like conventional medicine and so they understanding where I'm Mm -hmm. at in prep it's they're Mm -hmm. they're reading the data differently than somebody who is like I understand that like you're in a phase now where your body fat's super low. So numbers may be, you know, slightly, um, but that's why I think it's good. Like utilizing your improvement season as well. Like Amy, I know you've talked about as well, getting that baseline of knowing where things are at so that when you enter these different phases, if you do end up getting lab work drawn, you have something directly comparable to it to kind of provide some different insight as well.
0: Yeah. And I would say that, you know, everybody kind of has their thing. Like we all have like our one thing that's like our biggest challenge when it comes to prep. And I've done this for so many years that I know that my body, um, I've had to go very low in calorie to get to certain body fat levels that are, I'm ready for a stage. And, you know, there are numbers that I would never even Put other competitors on, but I do know that it takes extra movement for me. It takes a whole lot of pushing to get to the point where someone else, and I don't want to say like, you know, woe is me, like have it really hard, but I do have to dig pretty deep when it gets down to like the last body fat. My body is a little bit more stubborn and dropping below a certain percentage and it's just very resilient um, to that. So, you know, I don't like to drop competitors past 1200 calories, um, ever. Um, but I know sometimes like I've had to go lower than that, uh, for like a very temporary yeah. amount of time, but, you know, just to like stimulate some things going on. And, um, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's good to take care of your, your levels and, you know, make sure that you're keeping consistent, um, scheduled appointments and blood work with your physician so that you know they can at least help you in that manner in terms of like optimizing everything medically that they can um for your health and well-being so
1: oh i do have another question so i know that you've done a lot of pre- like preps you've prepared for a lot of shows have you noticed specific differences between preps that that are related to your thyroid whether it's like you know, you said you have to get low in calories and you have to do more movement. Do you notice that trending, uh, like that you need to dig even more deeper, or it's kind of like, you, you know, the numbers and the ranges where you have to sit, like what differences have you noticed with having hypothyroidism from prep to prep, if any?
0: Yeah. My biggest thing is just like, I try to make my improvement season as long as I possibly can. And then I try to make my cut as short as I possibly can. So I go from very big extremes, like my body can also kind of like handle a little bit more calories too. And, you know, in the improvement season, and then it's like, when I pull that rip cord, like, I just have to know like, that it's going to take a lot like, but it at least at this point, it hasn't been any harder than I would say I more know what to expect. Like I know when my numbers will start to change, like when I get to a certain calorie range and it's just kind of like at that point, you know, you know that this isn't for a long extended period of time that wouldn't be healthy to do, to be at that body fat wouldn't be very healthy to stay at a long time. So it's just kind of like I suck it up and I just know that like I might have to work a little bit harder, but um, I'm not afraid of like, you know, the hard work and the 26,000 steps I have to do. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> but, oh my gosh, no. <laughs> no. I don't really have to do that, buddy. I have before, but, but that's I very rare. That. Yeah. I really so, love you.
0: but yeah, I just yeah. make it my thing, like my, my short space of time, like very intentional. Cause I know that, you know, at a certain number I won't drop, like there's just a certain number. <laughs> so,
1: okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Hmm. I feel like I should be taking notes.
0: This down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's all I have to share. I mean, Really, the moral of the story is like you to help hy- hypothyroidism is you just have to get medicated. You know, um, there's a certain point, and then I know that like for, I'll be on it forever, but I mean, that's just part of it. And um, I know that, too, some things that have helped me along the way is just um, making sure that you're taking like your thyroid medication as directed. So, like, on an empty stomach, like, you know, at least half an hour to an hour before you consume anything. So that has time to process. So I just keep my thyroid meds by my bed. And um, I know that like when I'm not absorbing, because another issue with hypothyroidism is like GI, like just sluggishness and things like that. And like the way that we process, especially Hashimoto's, they get leaky gut and um, like all kinds of like inflammatory things going on with their gut. So like they'll get SIBO, they'll get Like, they're just more susceptible uh, because of that inflammation factor. And so sometimes to absorb that medication, it's just good to, like, go through a GI protocol. Like, every once in a while, I have to do that just because um, to get my, you know, like, my GI, um, my bowels, like, in my gut, like, in a better place to absorb the medicine. And um, I know that sometimes when my numbers aren't coming back well, it's like, you know, that part isn't functioning as optimally as it should be. So,
1: what what about like in a reverse when you're coming out of a show, are there things specifically you do with having the hypothyroidism with your food?
0: Um, like volume. I mean yeah, I I always eat for volume. I'm always hungry. That's one thing about hypothyroidism is like your hunger doesn't match your metabolism <laughs> rate. Right? Like, okay. okay. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yes. um yeah, I mean, I do better with a faster like recovery diet or like getting right back up to maintenance or above. Like I have a hard time doing a slow reverse because like I said, I try to really shorten that amount of time that I'm like eating low food. Cause it's like very yeah. mentally challenging to try to stick with it. Does that make sense? Are there
1: any yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like you said, being in the improvement season as long as as possible. So like getting that chunk of calories. Um, are there any supplements that you have found did were not helpful with your hypothyroidism or cause more issues like anything along those lines?
0: Yeah, I know you have to kind of read the labels. Um, I know for particularly mine, I think I can't have calcium or any type of like antacid because it has calcium in it, some form that interacts with the drug. So you just have to read the label, but like for me, it's, I think it's four hours. Um, like you can't have any sort of items with calcium in them. So I take my multivitamins like at the end of the day to avoid that, um, disruption (laughs) there. Cause that's like the main thing that has it, you know,
1: that's smart. I like that. That's a great suggestion. Okay.
0: Well, that was a good question. I (laughs) think that's all I have to share. I hope that helped this person. Um, that's struggling or anybody else that has hypothyroidism. Uh, But yeah, I encourage everybody to kind of, if people only give you like the TSH uh, blood work, I would encourage you to, you know, once it's been past like the eight week mark post-show or, um, you know, once you're like in an improvement season and you're getting these labs tested, just be an advocate for yourself because, you know, even if you're like T3 and T4 are in the very, very low range, of optimal, like that's still something that might need to be addressed, just because you know, and some of it's like the symptoms too. You kind of just have to um but put your hands and trust in your doctors, but also like you know, speak as a voice for yourself, like if you know something's not right. So
1: yeah, that's right. a great
0: advice. Well, with that, we'll be signing off here. Um, if you would like to leave us a rating or review on Apple podcasts. We sure do appreciate that. It uh, just helps other people find us that are looking for the same topics. And we always try to keep this ad free. So just kind of, you know, pass it on, share the love so that other people can find it that are interested in the same things. And you all do such a great job of tagging us on your stories. We're found at Instagram at Prof Life Podcast and at Glam Girl Bikini. And if you would like to apply for this sh- uh, team, you can go to glamgirlbikini.com. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Inger, signing off with my fabulous
1: co-host. And this is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. Thanks for listening, everyone.